0: Good morning. Do you know how good the beaches in Australia are? Now, I never knew how good they were until we went overseas. And we're in Hawaii and we were told you can't miss going to this certain beach because it is the best beach in Hawaii, best beach in the world. So, of course, we hopped in a car and drove out to see the best beach in Hawaii. And we got out of the car and stood there and looked around and said, what, this is it? And we thought, we've got a better one down at Point Leo, which is about 30 minutes from our house. You know, only only when we look at something in comparison can we see the absolute beauty of something that we have at our fingertips. I want to talk about something wonderful that is at our fingertips And maybe this new series is going to bring it alive to you for the first time or remind you again of the wonder of our God. Between now and Easter, we are going to be talking about the wonder of our God who chooses to walk and talk with us and what a difference this can make in our lives. Now, each week builds on the one before, so please try and catch them all either in person or church at home. Are you ready? We were talking about how we often only see the beauty in something when we compare it with something else. Well, I want to tell you two stories about human interactions with the divine, and hopefully you can see where I'm going. Anthropologists would tell us that since the dawn of time, mankind has tried to understand and connect with the divine. Most of us have grown up in a Judeo-Christian soup, even if you haven't been a church attender, and we've heard stories of the God of Israel who was constantly present with his people. You know, stories like Daniel in the lion's den or, or Moses parting the Red Sea. But let me tell you another story about religion a story that was pretty typical of ancient religions across the globe. In 2019, in a coastal area in northern Peru, archaeologists discovered the largest child burial site ever found. There were skeletons of 227 children there, aged between 4 and 14, and they estimated that the children had died about six hundred years ago. They had all been ritually killed at the same time. Can you even imagine what happened in that community? In ancient tribal communities, people worshiped lots of gods. Everyone was was religious because everything, from the wind and the rain, to whether your crops grew, to, to whether you would fall pregnant, was controlled by the gods. Gods who were not morally consistent beings, but more like oversized humans who got in bad moods or fought with one another and then took it out on humanity. To survive, the people believed they had to keep the gods happy by giving them gifts, sacrificing something or someone to them. Because they were so unpredictable, they never knew what they were thinking. Were they happy? Were they not? Well, when archaeologists studied this mass burial site, they speculated that the country was probably suffering from the effects of the El Nino weather, uh, which we're quite familiar with today. And And this El Nino weather could have caused mass flooding and landslides. So these people would assume that this weather was being caused by the gods, and they were faced with a choice—the destruction of their homes and fields, which would mean starvation, or a massive gesture that could appease the gods. Can you even imagine living under the oppression of such a religion? Now, let me tell you another story, and this story comes from the book of 1 Kings in chapters 18 and 19. Now, Elijah is a prophet of Yahweh, the God of Israel, and he's just been involved in a massive smackdown fight between the priests of Baal. Now, Baal was a god like the one in Peru that the people believed demanded human sacrifice and the God of Israel who who Elijah worshipped. Now, the priests of Baal believed they could get their God to hear them and do what they wanted by making massive animal sacrifices and lots of dancing and even cutting themselves with knives. But the story says that even though they did all these things, they heard nothing. Elijah comes up. It's his turn in the competition. He just looks up to the sky, prays a short prayer to Yahweh, and bam, fire from heaven comes down. Now, wouldn't you love to have been there? But then Elijah has become an enemy of the state, and he runs and hides in a cave in the desert. And it's this next part of the story that I really love. Elijah is sulking in this cave, believing that God has deserted him, and God speaks. He says, go out to the mouth of the cave, Elijah, and I will meet you. And there came three events that any person in Peru would have taken to be the angry voice of gods that were displeased with them. A mighty windstorm that shook the rocks, an earthquake that shook the ground they stood on, a fire that swept across the hillside, But God was not in any of these. Where was God? In 1 Kings 19, we read these verses. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak and stood at the entrance of the cave, and a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And God continued the conversation. He went on to reassure Elijah that he was not alone and God had not finished doing good work through him and that he would be with him through everything that was coming in his future. Can you see the vast gulf, the vast comparison between these two understandings of the divine? One man in Peru sacrifices his beloved child, trying to guess how to keep his community alive in the face of a mysterious, silent God. One man, Elijah, talks with God as a beloved child who comes before their father and is met with compassion and purpose. Could we just stop and soak in the wonder of our God who speaks, who wants to be known by us? The God who created the universe wants us to speak to him and he wants to speak back. Maybe a few stories from my own life will Will illustrate how incredible this fact is. I know many of you will have stories about God speaking to you as well. Probably about uh, 35 years ago my husband Rick felt called from a full-time banking career into full-time ministry. Now I love God and I love the church but I was not so sure about this I was, I was a mum of two small children at that time and I was not sure about the effect that being a pastor's family was going to have on my kids because I had some not-so-great models of pastor's families when I was growing up. I was at a conference very soon after Rick felt he received this call to ministry and the speaker talked about the weight of the calling of God and how, regardless of the cost, we can do nothing else but pick up that calling and move into our destiny. I remember standing in worship at the end of that and knowing I had heard God speak through this man as I just bawled my way through the worship. I left that night with incredible peace, that God had not only the future of Rick and I in his hands, but my kids as well. God spoke to me through the overwhelming emotion of peace. 20 years ago, I had to decide whether to commit myself to teaching or church ministry. I love them both, and I knew God could use me in both, but I had to decide. A counsellor asked me to close my eyes and try to picture what I was doing in 10 years' time. And you know, every mind picture that came to me had to do with Gateway. God spoke to me clearly in pictures. Six years ago, I was reading a novel called The Songs of Jesse Adams, which placed the story of Jesus in the 1970s era Melbourne. I was burning as I read it with such an intense vision of what this could look like on stage as a play. And two years after that, we presented it at Gateway. God spoke to me clearly through my passion for theatre. You know, every time he has spoken to me and I have been obedient, something amazing has happened in my life. But I also think, what have I missed? The times I have missed his voice or maybe heard it and ignored it, what have I missed? Dr. Tanya Harris, she's the author of the study that we are doing in our life groups. She's done a PhD research on on some of the scientific theories uh, about the phenomenon of hearing God speak. Now, several studies have been done on this. Now, of course, studies cannot determine scientifically if God is speaking, but they can study the effect it has on people when they believe they have heard from God. Now the studies have shown that interactions with the divine and the human, it's like these vertical interactions that we have in this relationship, they produce what they describe as a love energy that empowered compassionate actions human to human, you know, on the on the horizontal relationship. Their conclusion was, the love energy arising from spiritual experiences motivated people to love and serve others. Now, surely this is the only test of whether we have really heard from God. There is power in hearing from God, in being in partnership with him, power to be selfless, power to help bring the kingdom of god to our world. Now I've just used a lot of p words there. Peace, passion, power, partnership. Do you want to get better at hearing god's voice? I know I do. Maybe we start this we can start this journey with the surety that we can. And how do I know that? Well, our Bible is full of stories of God speaking. You know, Abraham being told by God that he would be the father of nations. Pack up your life, Abraham, and move to the land I will give you. Moses, hearing the voice of God from a burning bush in the desert, I'm sending you to save my people from the Egyptians. Joshua being told to march around the walls of Jericho until the walls fell down. Joseph being told that his fiancée Mary was telling the truth about her miraculous pregnancy. God speaking to us in the person of Jesus, giving us a full revelation of what he is like. Now, scholars believe that the historic narrative or the stories that the Bible tells us finished around 70 AD. But here's the miraculous thing. The story of God speaking to his people did not finish in 70 AD. On the day of Pentecost, after Jesus had risen from the dead and returned bodily to heaven, he promised he would come again and never leave us. The spirit of God entered his people on that day and it opened the floodgates for everyone, everyone to hear the voice of God for themselves. We don't need a prophet. We don't need a priest to hear God's voice for us. He is speaking now as he always has. Those miraculous biblical stories of people hearing and obeying the voice of God are still happening in 2023. There is so much more to learn. How does God speak? How can we be better at listening? How can we get it right? And what are the dangers of getting it wrong? We're going to be looking at these issues over the coming weeks and in our life groups. If you're not already part of a life group, it's not too late because that is a place where we get to discuss this in detail. So let's get hungry to learn. I want to leave you with a verse to think about. In Old Testament times, before Jesus came, people had a sense of themselves as being servants of the Most High God. And in many ways, that's, that's what I tell God, I want to be, I'm a servant. I don't deserve more than that. Just let me serve you. I don't have to understand you. Just let me love you and serve you. Then there comes Jesus. And God speaks in a fresh way and shows us that his desire for us is so much more than just servanthood. In the book of John, we read these incredible words. Jesus speaking to us. I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants, and servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate friends, for I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my father. I wonder whether we could finish today by just remembering precious verse. Put your own name in there. I'll I'll do it. You can do it at home. Marcy, I call you my most intimate friend. What an incredible God we serve.